Down the road, a bus was about to take off. I caught up with it, leapt up the steps before the doors closed and threw the driver whatever small change I had in my pocket. The bus roared away, and as I lurched my way to the back of the bus, I peered out the window. At that very moment, the Commodore owner reached the bus stop. He bent over with his hands on his hips, out of breath. Too late, big fella, I thought. Keep sucking them in. I stared at him for a moment through the big glass at the back as the bus sped away, bleaching old smoke up into the sky. Besides a few old ladies, the bus was empty. The bus pulled up at a suburb called Panania. I was very tired. What's more, I was beginning to suffer bad stomach pains and cramps in my legs, clutching my middle. I disembarked just in time. I started vomiting violently into the gutter. Horrible, racking spasms of nausea. Finally finished. I trotted away and leaned against the nearest vacant car, weak and shaky, empty. This was my first experience of a decent heroin withdrawal, and I didn't much like it but I was already thinking about the next means of generating more money from another shot. I'd been consistently on the stuff now for a few months and understood that I needed to get off it. It was really controlling my life. Just then I glanced into the back of a Commodore station wagon, which I'd propped myself up against. Stacked there were four big cartons of Winfield cigarettes. The back seats had been laid down flat so all the boxes would have fit in. I didn't hesitate. I crossed the road and asked a guy in a shoe repair shop opposite if I could borrow a screwdriver to fix my car. He handed me one and I crossed the road again, back to the station wagon. I stuck the screwdriver into the metal next to the door lock and manoeuvred it, jiggling it a bit until the button I seen slowly lifted. Ah. Got it, I thought. I opened the door and I was in. The back was an Aladdin's cave for smokers. Between the earlier chases and how crook I was now feeling, I just wanted to get this car started and sell these smokes and pick up Corey and drive to Palmer Street. Someone there would be bound to give me heroin or cash in exchange. Then I could go home and call it a day. At least that was the plan. I ripped off the hard plastic under the ignition, but the screwdriver which I'd intended to start the car with had been bent by unlocking the door. This meant it wouldn't be strong enough to start the motor. There was nothing for it. I revisited the guy in the shoe repairers and asked him for another screwdriver. He obliged. In fact, this screwdriver was massive, but this time he looked a little bit suspicious. I jumped back in the car, started it easily, and took off like I owned the car. Very casual, but I was stoked. When I stopped at a set of lights, Near Canterbury Road, I examined the interior more closely. I spotted a white cotton bag under the folded-down rear seat. I leant back, dragged it out in one hand and opened it. 
at least two grand in notes, all new, grey nurses, $100 bills. Happy was an understatement. Despite still feeling really crook in the guts, I drove straight to mum and dad's, parked the car on the lawn and beeped the horn. Dad peered through the blinds. I could see his head was shaking. He knew the car was stolen. A short time later, he emerged with Corey in tow. I showed them the boxes. Corey's face lit up like a light bulb. Help me get him out, I said to Corey. He went to oblige, but soon complained that he couldn't move the boxes. I lent a hand. Fuck, what was in these things? I opened one cart and then another and another. They were all filled with single packets of smokes with money. Sticked and taped to each packet. All three of us dragged out a box, and as we did, the bottom of the box collapsed, dropping a huge money bag onto the lawn. No wonder the money bag was as heavy as a small bag of cement. What the fuck, said Dad. He was always good with words. Then, you okay, son? He suddenly said. I must have looked shocking for Dad to have asked that. Yeah, Dad, I'm sweet as a nut, mate. Fucking grab that money bag. We counted $3,000 in change in dollar coins. $2 coins didn't come out uh, just then. We pulled out the rest of the box and each one of them had a money bag at the bottom. And that didn't count. The change taped to all the packets of cigarette. All up, I scored about $8,000. That's not a bad day. The driver must have been a rep for a, a company that collected all the money for cigarettes dispensers in clubs. Back then, when you bought a, a packet of smokes, your change would be stuck with a sticky uh, tape to the packet and they would come out the dispensing machines. No more worries uh, affording heroin now for a while. We bought some smack that day and hallelujah, no more cramps and no more nausea, no more cold sweats. It's a miracle drug, I thought, back then. I, I decided to remove myself from Sydney. I wasn't keen to return to jail for the crime Corey and I had been arrested for knocking off uh, that the TVs and the VCR at his mate's place in Annandale. I'm going to Melbourne, mate, I said. I thought that southern city might be a good place for me to lay low for a while at any rate. He understood. More than likely, he would only get probation for those charges when he fronted court, where if I would have fronted up with him, on the other hand, being the model citizen, I, I was not. I would be definitely facing jail time. And now that I was 18, that did mean adult prisons for a longer time than what I'd spent previously. So with a heap of money and a, a bag full of cigarette packets with change taped on them, I booked a train leaving from Central that night. Then I went to the chemist, returned home with my purchase hidden inside a paper bag. I decided to dye my hair blonde. The woman on the front of the hair dye box looked very, very glam, but that very, very blonde, that Jane Harlow blonde, 
the the name on the box pronounced the tone to be champagne uh cassie i returned to the bathroom without telling anyone what i was doing which was easy seeing as only Corey and i were at home later when i emerged Corey's jaw just about hit the floor what the hell he said then he grinned looks good mate this made me feel good i gave him a heap of the money and smokes as well so i knew he'd be okay for at least a week he was happy pity he couldn't come i was going to miss him at that time Corey was about to move in with his girlfriend and of course he didn't want to leave her she wasn't a heroin user she knew Corey was i didn't care much for her i thought she was a real whinger good luck in court i said as cheeky as ever before the train pulled out of central station then it was moving i was waving madly not knowing how long it would be before i saw my brother again the next morning i was in melbourne 